Well, good morning. Uh, welcome to Maranatha. We're glad you're here to worship together with us. Uh, we just have a few announcements that we want to let you know about. Uh, first off, there is a men's rifle shoot happening this weekend, uh, and you can get more information uh, in the bulletin. I believe there's a sign-up as well uh, at the welcome desk, and uh, even if you don't have a gun, please come out. It'll be a great time um, together uh, fellowshipping, fellowshipping as men. Uh, also, we next week, pop quiz. How many services do we have? I am so proud of you guys. The real fun is, as pastors, we have a little pool going of who's not going to remember. So if you show up next week at 9 o'clock, uh, Pastor Tony will win some money. Um, <laughs> but next week, 8.45 and 10.30 during the 8.45 service, uh, we encourage uh, you guys to attend, obviously, and then uh, that'll be just a time uh, of service. And then during the 10.30 uh, service, there will be Sunday school for all ages. So we do have uh, a variety of things going on with Sunday school. Uh, our kids' Sunday school, obviously, going on, youth Sunday school, and also um, our adult discipleship groups will return during that service time. We have, uh, I believe, three of them going on. So uh, one will be uh, uh, called Person of Interest that'll be led by Michelle Nord and Greg Steger. Um, that is uh, kind of an apologetic series going through uh, the reality of the resurrection and, and figuring out who Christ is. Uh, there will also be a women's prayer group that will meet over in this building, in, either in the conference room or Pastor Eric's old office. Uh, and then there will also be uh, a study on Elijah and Elisha going through their lives um, with Justin Peterson. And that one, actually, I would encourage parents to go to because we will be going through the same uh, stories and Bible verses each week as that group. The kids will be going through Elijah and Elisha as well. So I encourage parents to uh, drop your kids off for their Sunday school and then head over to yours. Um, who, uh, by a show of hands, who would like to spend more time with my son? Just by a show of hands. All right, that's great, because we need nursery volunteers. <laughs> um, uh, if you're willing to serve, the commitment is once every six weeks uh, at either service. Um, you can uh, let me know, let, give Carmen a call this week, let her know. We also have some needs still for Sunday school. Uh, we are in need of someone to uh, be in our fours and five-year-olds class. Uh, that's our last hole for Sunday school. And then obviously we still need more help in Awana, especially with, with guys. We're about as, um, we're, we're at a kind of a bare minimum for staffing so we can function, but we still need more for sure. So, uh, and actually with that, if you are serving this fall, whether in Sunday school or Awana or youth group, would you stand so we can uh, pray for you this morning? All right, and if you're by them, would you just, yeah, give them a hand. Absolutely. Uh, if you're by them and, and they don't mind, would you just uh, rest a hand on them, hold your hand out towards them as we pray for them uh, for this fall. Father God, thank you for these individuals. Thank you for their willingness to serve, for their willingness to disciple those uh, who may not know you yet and those who are new in their relationship with God. I pray for Pastor Tony as he leads the youth group, uh, that he would do that well as he always does, that uh, he would 
uh, continue to pour into his leaders as they pour into uh, the youth around uh, the area of Rice Lake and beyond. I pray for my Sunday school teachers as uh, we head into a time studying in the Old Testament that they would build great relationships with the kids and uh, that they would just have fun learning the word. I pray for my Iwana volunteers that uh, even on the snowy January Wednesday nights when it doesn't feel like we want to go out and we just want to stand that we would uh, head to Awana so we can help kids learn your word and bury that truth in their hearts. We, I thank you for each of these volunteers and all of the new ones uh, we, are, we have yet to gain. We thank you for all of them. And everybody said, amen. amen. Now I invite Pastor Cody to come and share the word with us. Oh, I was hoping I could hold Joel the whole time. If you could help me finish this verse... This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Man, that's awesome. Today is a special day. Today is the day we get to gather together as the body of Christ, fellow believers. Today is the day we get to lift up the name of the Lord together. These are things we can do outside of church, but today is a special day. And for me, today's a special oh, I, I'm excited. In fact, this week I was like, I'm a Bible sniffer. You can let people know. I was like, oh, why is it so good? Because today we get to get into this, amen? Yeah, be glad your pastor's a Bible sniffer, not like a cocaine sniffer, I don't know. But what we're going to look at today speaks of the beauty and faithfulness of God. That allows us to rejoice, amen? And... We get to end in Romans chapter 8, so I'm really excited, really excited. In fact, I'm going to pray twice before we get into our passage, so bear with me. Let's pray the first time here. Lord, oh, today is a special day, and I know that we come from different backgrounds. We've got a lot of our church family members that are gone on vacation. We even got vacationers here this morning. You have brought each person here in our building by your plan all those who are watching online you've appointed this time in our life to learn from you learn from the word and today is just beautiful so guide us we pray in your name amen so one thing i noticed in the bible at times it seems to have contradictions now let me, let me say this right out. There are only supposed contradictions. There are no real contradictions. You get, maybe you can go to a university. Let's say you go down to Madison or something and they might get a professor that wants to rip on the Bible or say, look at all these contradictions. And I, I would love to be in a class like that. And be like, that's a supposed contradiction. But at times it seems that there are contradictions. And today's is a little crazy fact in the world's eyes in their mindset it is very crazy listen to this out of second corinthians 6 10 paul says he's sorrowful yet always rejoicing let me say it sorrowful yet always rejoicing paul make up your mind you can't do both you can't be sorrowful and always rejoicing that doesn't make sense you can't have it both ways Can sorrow and rejoicing even be compatible? That seems like a contradiction. Or in Colossians 1.24, he says, 
I rejoice in my sufferings. Well, that seems like a great contradiction. What is going on here? You're sorrowful yet always rejoicing. Or is he saying you're rejoicing for your sufferings? This can get complicated. This seems messed up. Seems like a contradiction. Yet we will learn from today's passage. We are to be joyful in the Lord despite our current struggles and situations because our joy is founded on Jesus. Our joy is founded on Jesus. And today we're going to look at the what and the why and the how. This is even possible because it seems like a contradiction. We're going to look at a command, a character trait, and a coming day. So let's pray again, all right? Father God, we as a church just sing a song. In fact, we were clapping during it. Blessed be your name. And we can think of so many things that we are fortunate, that we are blessed, and we we praise you for that. But also in that song, it mentions sorrow. When the days are not happy, still blessed be your name. So Holy Spirit, I ask right now that you work in our hearts. Because there are people in this room, they understand sorrow more than I can even comprehend. There are people in this room that are the brink of falling apart right now. There are people in this room whose pockets are so empty. Yet at the same time, there are people in this room whose pockets are so full. Spirit, do your work, we pray, so we can understand what it means to be sorrowful yet always rejoicing, to rejoice in our sufferings. Because that seems like a contradiction. Well, in the world's eyes, it is. But through Christ, this is a beautiful concept. So guide us, we pray, in your precious name. Amen. Amen? Amen. Take your Bibles, go to Philippians chapter 4. We are in the book of Philippians. Philippians chapter 4. When my older girls, my two oldest, they are out and about traveling often. One lives down in Madison, and one is currently living with us. She's doing her college work here in the the area in in town in Rice Lake. And whenever they go on a trip, we'll often talk about where are you going? How far is it? Do you have enough gas money and stuff like that? We'll we'll talk about what the event is. Then my words usually end... Or our conversation ends usually in a couple of commands from me. Now that sounds weird, but if you're a parent, you understand this. Check the tires before you go, right? All right. What's your oil level at? I, I do that often with my daughter down in Madison. She's got a newer car. She's like, I don't have to check it. Yes, you do. Do you have enough gas money? Call us when you get there. How many have done that before? Many parents say, of course, yeah. Call me when you get there. Let me know when you're done with that event. So I give these commands. And usually I end with, I love you. 
Paul, I notice, does the same thing in many of his letters. He'll say a bunch of stuff, whatever the occasion is. He'll write an epistle, write a letter to a group of people, writing to a person, whatever it is. And then usually right at the end, sometimes it's a full chapter, he ends with a plethora of commands. Or sometimes it's just the last part. Give some names. And then he gives some words of affection. And that's exactly what Paul does here. He gives one command after another in this final chapter. These are commands. These are imperatives. It's imperative you do this. Call me when you get there. That's what I said to my daughters. Let me know. Now we got this thing, Life 360. I can be like, okay, she got there. She's safe. All right, great. Paul does this. So let's look at a few here, and then we're going to see more and more as we go on. Philippians chapter 4, starting with verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Again, we're going to look at a command. We're going to look at a character trait. And then we'll look at a coming day. So the first word here is rejoice. Rejoicing, gladness, joy shows up in the book of Philippians 16 times. In fact, the book of Philippians is known for that. The word rejoice shows up nine times. And variants of it show up seven times. So this is truly a prominent point and theme in this. Rejoice. Again, I encourage you, get this book. I, I would say every Christian should get this book. This is Mounce's complete dictionary of Old Testament and New Testament words. So don't just look up in Webster's and see what does it mean to rejoice. Look at the biblical understanding. Rejoice. To enjoy a state of gladness, happiness, or well-being. Rejoice? Are you kidding me? You may be thinking, I just lost my job. My bank account stinks. My life is falling apart. The harsh realities continue to beat me down. Rejoice? My sin is ever before me. Do you know the disappointments I face in life? You may be thinking, my loved one has died. I don't have a clean bill of health. I need a place just to be alone because my life seems to be a storm. I need peace for my family relationships. Rejoice? Are you kidding me? And check this out. It's a command. You can't command me to rejoice when I have such a heavy heart. And it's not just here. Throughout Scripture, both old and new, the Lord commands His people to rejoice. That seems like a contradiction. All people, I believe, can have a degree of joy. They can have a degree of love because we're all created in the image of God. Yet for the Christian... Their joy is much different than the world's understanding of joy. So first, let me speak what this verse is not talking about. This is not just saying, fake it till you make it, right? As a Christian, just smile all the time. Because sunshine and rainbows are coming someday. It's not what this is saying. It's not, have a smile on your face. 
even when your world is falling apart. This is not talking about superficial happiness. Another thing it's not saying is just have a positive mental health outlook. Just have a good day. You should be just a good lucky person. Just, just go out and do it. Believe it and make it happen. Belief in something doesn't make it true. Ignore it and hopefully it will go away. It's interesting, there's so many of this concept, that concept in the world today. Or, most of the world teaches that the measure of your joy is based upon your situation and circumstances. Let me say that again. Most of the world teaches that the measure of your joy is based upon your situation, your circumstances. I can only be happy if life is good and I have no suffering in my life. In fact, one world religion teaches that the goal of life is to eliminate suffering. That's not what the Bible teaches. What does the Bible teach? A few things. Number one, first, suffering is real. Don't ignore it. Paul's suffering is very real. He was very open about the troubles he had. We read through what he wrote about. The Bible does not tell us to ignore the pain or pretend that it's less agonizing. You're going through something hard, oh, just ignore it. It's not as bad as you think it is. Many Psalms, if you go through the Psalms, they lament. They're very raw and real. When Paul was writing these words, he was chained in prison. Prior to this, he was beaten. And now awaiting words to whether he would live or die. He knew more about suffering and disappointment than most of us will ever understand. The goal in a Christian's life is not the avoidance of pain or the pursuit of comfort and wealth. The goal is to know God, love God, and walk in a way that you become more and more like Christ, giving glory to Him. So here it is. If you're ever at a gravesite for a loved one or a family member, that pain is real. Cry. Let it out. It's real. In fact, I was talking to a kid in our neighborhood recently, and I was talking about crying. She looked at me like, crying? You cry? And I was like, I've cried more this year than I have ever in my life. Second, joy is not the absence of suffering. Again, Colossians chapter 1, 24, he says, I rejoice in my suffering. For the Christian, the grave sight of a loved one, suffering is real, but also joy is available. It is possible to have deep sorrow and tears, and at the same time, I believe, beneath the tears, a reality of the contentment of joy. How? Yes. Here is how that is possible. Christian joy is grounded in the Lord, not in circumstances. For take a look at the verse. Look at verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord. Notice that? That's the foundation. 
Our joy is founded on being in the Lord and our relationship with him. Christian joy is deeper and different because it's based upon the relationship and the presence of God in your life. I rejoice in the Lord. We have been changed by the Holy Spirit and given a new heart and he spiritually works in us and now in that relationship, I have him. How I live is not defined by circumstances. Instead, by my relationship with God. Who I am is based upon Him, not me and my failures. I have the Lord. The foundation of genuine joy is Jesus. The reason for joy is Jesus and the knowledge of all that He has graciously done for us in our salvation, in our daily living. Jesus is my joy in fact let me read to you a song it's an old song by my favorite unknown christian artist michael kelly blanchard anybody ever hear of him two three people my family he's become a friend of mine in the past i haven't connected with him for a while i had him come to arrowhead bible camp when i worked there he's got this song maybe you've heard it he wrote it, but other people sang it. In these days of confused situations, in this night of restless remorse, when the heart and the soul of a nation lay wounded and cold as a corpse, from the grave of the innocent Adam comes a song bringing joy to the sad. Oh, your cry has been heard and the ransom has been paid up in full. Be ye glad. Oh, be ye glad, be ye glad, be ye glad. Every debt that you ever had has been paid up in full by the grace of the Lord. Be ye glad, be ye glad, be ye glad. Now from your dungeon a rumor is stirring. Though you've heard it again and again, now this time the cell keys are turning and outside their faces of friends. Though your body lay weary from wasting, and your eyes show the sorrow they had, oh, the love that your heart is now tasting has opened the gate. Be ye glad. And the chorus goes again. So be lights on the rim of the water, giving hope in the storm sea of night. Be a refuge among the slaughter of these fugitives in their flight. For you are timeless, part of a puzzle. You are winsome and young as a lad. And there's no disguise, no disease, no struggle that can pull you from God. Oh, be glad, be glad, be glad. Every debt that you ever had has been paid up in full by the grace of the Lord. Be glad, be glad. So we are in Christ and we have so much to rejoice about. True joy in the midst of suffering is knowing this, and this is something I've said multiple times in our series here. God is sovereign, amen? Never forget that. God is at work. Remember chapter 1, verse 6. God is at work. He's at work in your family. He's at work in your kids. He's at work in my life. And God is with us. And God, oh, he's coming again, amen? That's the foundation. Circumstances change. 
by the minute. But never forget, the Lord has not changed. Amen? He's still in control. He is present. He's always good. Rejoice in the Lord. But notice, take a look. It says, rejoice in the Lord always. We have a constant rejoicing that does not depend on the moment. We can rejoice always at all times in every circumstance, no matter the pain or the pleasure. How? I'm going to say this twice. Our joy is constant, not because our circumstances are constant, but because Jesus is constant. Amen? Let me say that again. Our joy is constant, not because our circumstances are constant, because Jesus is constant. Or here's what Mount says, based upon the understanding of the biblical understanding of this word, rejoice. To rejoice, to be filled with joy. For the believer, it is a constant state because of our relationship with Christ. So here we go again. So it is possible to be at the gravesite of a loved one with true sorrow and tears and at the same time have beneath those tears the full reality that God is with you. And there can be a joy as you lean on His character, not the circumstance. Rejoice in the Lord always. Why? Because the Lord is the central determination of the final outlook of life. If I go fishing this weekend and have a great time and catch a bunch of fish, great. If I don't catch any fish, oh, that could be hard. If I'm in a canoe, it could be great. Or we get these crazy storms that pop up. I look at the, can the schedule. Oh, no rain. Then we get this big storm. What if my canoe flips over? I can still have beneath those sorrows joy. Or if you join the guys, just so you know, next Saturday, the gun range. You don't have to bring a rifle. Rifles will be provided for you for doing long-range stuff. So don't bring your BB gun. It should be fun to see that if you did. But if you miss the target or not, you can still have a steady joy below that. This is a decision we must make. Every day we must choose either joy or complaining. Joy or isolation. Choosing joy or despair. Joy or worry. Joy or cynicism. I've met some Christians like that. In fact, this Monday, I used to have this rule, never check my emails on Monday. It's my day off. I checked my email, and I got a very disappointing email. As you know, if I've applied for the Lilly Grant for my sabbatical, I did not get accepted into the program. There were multiple people that applied. They said, apply again. I'm like, okay, I'll do it again. But there was that moment of like, oh, I wanted to climb the highest peak in Hawaii, but that's not going to happen next summer. I was disappointed. But then I realized, yeah, that's real. Acknowledge that. Then I thought of James chapter 1, verse 2. Consider it pure joy whenever you face trials of many kinds. I still have pure joy with me. So just in case you forget, take a look at verse 4. Just in case you forget, he says it again. He reminds you, rejoice in the Lord, always. And again, I say rejoice. Now you might be thinking, oh, why does he do that? We are quick to forget. 
Last, let me just show you here a picture. I think Stacy has this as a picture. This is what we got our Secretary Carmen. <laughs> Why? As Pastor Aaron said, some of you will know. You'll come and you'll forget that we have two services next Sunday. We've been telling you for weeks. It's in the bulletin. Every week someone will call, well, I didn't know this was going on. We're like, it's been in the bulletin for a month. Paul's doing the same thing. Again, I say rejoice. A distinct and a distinctive mark of the Christian is real joy and, take a look at the next verse, gentleness. Gentleness is kindness, humility, empathy. Gentleness joins joy as a mark that sets a Christian apart from the rest of the world. Let everyone know that you have a gentle life, a gentle heart. This word is the hallmark of Jesus. It's interesting that Matthew, I mean, if I would write a story of Jesus, if I was there, I'd be going, this guy, let me use it in modern terms here, this guy's a rock star. That's what we say nowadays. This guy's amazing. This guy, look at, look at how amazing Jesus is. Oh, I'd be writing all this stuff. Like, he did this, he did this, and that's what Matthew does. But the character trait that Matthew says isn't rock star, isn't he's got the body of like Arnold Schwarzenegger, this guy's amazing. He uses the word gentle. It is an example of Christ in 1 Peter chapter 2.23. When they hurled insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. See, it's the character of Christ. Ones who receive grace will be characterized by gentleness. One of the most powerful testimonies of Christ in our lives is having a gentle spirit. When, people, when people treat you poorly, and if you're under persecution, are you courteous? Are you tolerant? And when you have troubles come your way and people treat you like dirt, are you kind and lenient when others make demands and mistreat you? When you're treated with injustice, when they slander your name, what will you be known for? Hopefully, it's gentleness, kindness, humility, empathy. Notice that it should be evident to all, not just to the church here in our church in this building, but to all people. That includes people who don't go to church. I like how the NLT says, let everyone see that you're considerate in all that you do. So what is your reputation? Not just here at church as you come all dressed up and nice, but outside in the world. I'll never forget when I was in Washington State. I was at a church that was a church plant from a church over in Seattle, which later I found out was kind of a bunch of guys that left the church because there was a pastor there in the same town we were in that used to be part of the free church, but the free church kicked them out because they were not living a lifestyle worthy of the gospel, mainly an attitude. 
In fact, that pastor was known. All the neighbors around that pastor couldn't stand him. He's the meanest guy around. Can you imagine a pastor having a reputation like that? Are we known as caring people? Here's the question. Are we known as a caring church? Let me answer that. Yes and no. In fact, recently we had some visitors here. One of my mentors came here from the Madison area. He was here, he and his wife, and we, we had a meal afterwards on the way there. The wife said, yep, we're going to have to move. I'm like, oh, you're moving from Madison? We're going to move and just come here. We love your church. And I was like, that was a great compliment. So yeah, I would say at times we have a great reputation, especially when people come here. But at times we don't. Every year, please listen to this. If you've been about a part of our church for five years or more this is for you every year i get the complaints either written to me phone calls or we get them through our office visitors come for a couple weeks then they leave why because no one reached out to them no one cared you're so busy to get to your table and your donut and sit with your group of friends that that visitor that came was totally neglected church we need to change here's what luther said about this before god be joyful at all times before men be lenient let's end with the last part the lord is near or as the nlt says remember the lord is coming soon. At the end of all of this is this standalone statement. But really, at first you look and go, what? Rejoice, be gentle, and then it's like the Lord is near. But really, it's not a standalone phrase. It's not on its own because it's connected with the rest of the letter. The Lord is near. How is it connected? Oh, everyone take your Bibles and go to Romans chapter 8. How is this even connected with joy? How is it connected with the rest of the letter? Romans chapter 8, verse 18. We've been given a command. We've been given a character trait. Now we're looking at a coming day. Okay, look at me first. You have to know this. This verse is the key of survival on this sin-diseased planet. Here it is. I consider... Romans chapter 8, verse 18. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. This is the truth that we stand on. This is our hope. This is my assurance in this evil world, though it pounds me down every day. This truth gives me resilience. Jesus is coming back amen and someday i'm going home 
His soon return is a reminder that God will vindicate His people and bring them to their final victory. He's coming again! And this is the true promise that I stand firm on. It is my true joy in the future delight of being with the Lord. All of this suffering, all of this pain will be worth it because it doesn't compare to the beauty of the imminent return of Christ and His final victory. The next big event for us is His coming. Heaven. It is near. The next big thing in the history of salvation and redemption plan is this event. Keep your eyes on that. My anticipation of this coming, eternal joy, does not ignore the sufferings in this life. Instead, it does make them bearable by putting them in the right perspective, right? In fact, there was a week this summer I did four funerals in seven days. I cried so much I didn't know there was tears even possible to keep coming out. And as I stood at each graveside, I knew I was just broken. But at the same time, underneath all the tears, I still could trust in the sovereign God. He's working in me. He is with me. And someday I'm going home. So I had this basis of joy still there. Circumstances change every minute. What we do have is not the guarantee of that, but it's the guarantee future of being with God. And that is why we cry Maranatha, which means come Lord. So here's the secret of finding true joy. Turn to Jesus. And keep him at the center, for he is the source of life and joy. Amen? So here's what we're going to do today. We're going to do communion. Pastor Aaron, see here, maybe he's running around. He's going to bring out the communion basket. If not, Andre's going to help out, or I can get Joe. Where's Joe? He's got a shirt that's glowing. I'm like, that's the shirt I needed today. If you don't have a communion cup... Just raise your hand, we'll get you one. The worship team can come up. And we're going to sing some beautiful songs. And again, if you haven't used these, there's like a little thin layer on top first. Get that one so you can get your little wafer out. And then the larger ones for your drink. And if you need gluten-free, I believe we have gluten-free available back there. Raise your hand if you need a cup. We here at Maranatha, maybe you're visiting, we at Maranatha have open communion. Which means if you belong to Jesus Christ, if you're a member of the body of Christ, if you're a Christian, join us. You don't have to be a member of the church, our specific church, but if you believe in Christ, join us in communion. If you have kids that are small and young around you who do not yet comprehend all this, we ask at this moment before you take, you pray over them that someday they would come to know the beauty of the Lord. So put your hand up if you don't have a communion cup. Let me read out of 1 Corinthians chapter 11. 
But before I read the famous part that we all, if you've been a Christian for a while, you, you've probably got it memorized. Here's a part that we don't hear. It's right after. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death. Here it is. Until he comes. Oh, he's coming, amen? He is coming. And your present sufferings, they're real, they're raw. They may produce tears, but they're nothing compared to the glory <clears throat> that will be revealed in us, amen? Romans 8. So here we go. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you, the Lord Jesus on the night he was betrayed, took the bread. When he given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's take this in remembrance of what the Lord has done. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. So let's take the juice and remember the great sacrifice Christ did for us so we could have life. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your grace, your goodness. The innocent Adam took my place. And I'm grateful that you sustained me through the joys of life and the circumstances and the trials and disappointments we have. Because you are the constant, not this world. And I pray that we would keep our gaze upon you, the author and finisher of our faith, who the joy set before him endure the cross, despising its shame. Help us soak in your faithfulness. Help us soak in your goodness. We rejoice in the Lord. And again I say rejoice in the Lord. Amen. Stand and join us in our last few.